Rafael Castro is the lifting doc. He is a sports chiropractor from the New York City area that specializes in treating athletes from competitive powerlifters to crossfitters. Rafael is an energetic doc who takes the time to get into the nitty-gritty of his patients' injuries with the goal of getting them better so that they don't need him anymore. And he is my guest here today. What's up, everybody? My name is John Campioni, and this is the Rock Tape Podcast. Here with uh, Raphael Castro. Raphael, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, man. Enjoying the heat up here in New York. Yeah, it's been sweltering over in Chicago as well, too. So it's nice that uh, I am sitting in air conditioning myself. So uh, thanks for taking the time and being here. You got a, a pretty uh, unique practice. You work with uh, a lot of lifters, a lot of athletes. So I think a lot of people are interested in hearing kind of how you get into using some of the different tools with those. But first and foremost, tell us a little bit about you. Um, what's your background like? What is your specialties? Where'd you go to school? How'd you get into healthcare? Uh, so I, I think I have a, a story like a lot of people. Um, I'm a sports chiropractor, but uh, basically I got hurt in high school and uh, someone wanted to do some surgery on me, put a metal <laughs> pin through my hip. And it was a sports chiropractor that said, I, I think I can fix you, you know, um, just come to me for a few weeks and let's take it from there. And, uh, you know, the long story short is the guy did fix me. I nice. felt great. You know, I did a little follow up with some PT, but of course this got me really thinking about what I wanted to do with the rest of my life and why one person was saying I needed surgery and another person was able to kind of help me out with this conservative care. So that's what really got me started. Um, I went down to Life University in Hotlanta, um, <laughs> and I have uh, both my master's in sports health science, uh, injury management there, and my doctor in chiropractic. So I worked well, did you, too. Did you do a dual dual, pro, dual programming there? Yes, I did. I did the dual program. Oh, that's so cool when schools have that available to you because that's such a valuable thing to have that master's on top of it. Yeah, I, I don't think I slept for like three or four quarters, but <laughs> it was definitely worth it. Well, yeah, you could sleep when you're dead, right? Exactly. What was the uh, what was the injury that you had? Out of curiosity, uh, I, I played a lot of contact sports, uh, football, wrestling, and lacrosse, and I, I believe it was a cumulative effect that I had partially uh, dislocated my hip um, and did some damage to my sacrum as well. And I, I guess that you know that surgeon just wanted to stabilize everything by just putting a metal pen through everything. So mm -hmm. uh, thankfully, the, the chiropractor came along and uh, you know helped me out big time with that. So you're right. It is kind of a common story, but it is still pretty unique to you. I mean, this is something you're doing now, probably in your own practice. You're working with a lot of athletes. You know, I, I love how you said it too, because it doesn't give me the idea that this, this sports chiropractor told you don't have surgery. He said, let's try this first and mm -hmm. then see what we need to do. And I think that's the basis for a lot of us manual therapists. And, you know, my wife says this, uh, for our own practice, so we're, we're kind of like non-surgical orthopedists. Like, if we can get you better without cutting you open, let's try that first too. Is that something that's kind of transitioned into your practice now based on your experience? Are you doing that with a lot of your athletes and really helping people with the conservative side of care? Oh yeah. The, by far. I mean, the, the majority of my practice is a lot of CrossFit athletes. Okay. So, uh, up here in New York, I take care of like 18 or 19 boxes, um, uh, directly. I, mean, I have good relationships with them. Some of them I actually go directly there. But, uh, you know, a lot of these athletes, they just come in and they, they, 
unfortunately, I think the worst. Their shoulders hurting them. They're getting some issues. And, you know, the, the common thing is like, well, I'm going to go see the orthopedist. I'm going to, you know, or they're telling me I'm going to need surgery. Well, that's one of the reasons I kind of like things like the tape and everything else where, especially we do some treatments, we slap some tape on you and one treatment, you're, you're feeling 90% better. It really gives me the confidence to say to you, this really isn't a structural issue yet. You probably don't need surgery because if you need surgery at that level, you know, the best kinesio tape in the world isn't going to hold you together. And, you know, I can say, you know, you're not at that level, at least not at this point. And, you know, we can go forward you know, with those positive results and keep going. Why do you think that is with athletes? I think I have an answer to that. I'm curious what yours is. Why do you think they automatically assume go see an orthopedist? It's probably a structural issue rather than some of the other, you know, explanations for it. Well, I, I think that comes down to our society as a whole. I mean, especially with, um, your normal CrossFit athletes who's just trying to get, you know, healthy. They're listening to their colleagues at their work or their friends and their neighbors um, who really aren't moving well. And the first thing that they want to do is, that, you know, okay, I'll go see the ortho. You know, maybe I'll get some surgery. Uh, you know, everyone's doing it. My shoulder hurt, you know, go do this. Uh, I think it's outrageous. I mean, I, I've always been a, a very simple person. Start with the most conservative and move yeah. up the line. You know, yeah. if Cairo and PT doesn't work, you know, do some acupuncture. If that doesn't work, okay, now I'm going to start looking into some surgical stuff. Um, but some people start at the other end, and it's um, peculiar to me. But, you know, we try our hardest to, to lead. <laughs> and they need you post-surgical because of all the rehab that they have to go through for that. Yeah. <laughs> when did you graduate from school? Uh, 2009. So it's okay. I've just come up on my 10-year anniversary. About 10 years. So uh, are you originally from the New York area and you went down to Atlanta for school, right? Yes. Did you immediately say, I'm going right back to the New York area, I'm right, going right back home to practice? Uh, pretty much. Uh, you know, I had, a, I had an aging father and whatnot, but uh, I like New York. And uh, John, as we were talking before we started the podcast, uh, I like to curse a lot. Um, I'm a big boy. <laughs> Uh, New York has the delis and the pizzerias to sustain uh, me and my size. So, Ooh, um, are we going to get into a pizza argument? Because I'm from <laughs> Chicago and you're from New York. You know, New York. <laughs> no, there's you know, see, there's no real argument. So I, you know, I've had I, Chicago, I feel the same way. I feel the same I've way. Had there's Chicago no deep dish. Yeah, it's it's a whole different genre of pizza. You, you can't compare a, a deep dish to a like a thin slice of New York. Exactly. They're both delicious. They're both amazing. I'll sit down right now and eat a pie of each. It's, um, I'll take both. Yeah, give me both. <laughs> like, there's something about like the, there's deep dish, there's stuffed with Chicago style, but then yeah. there's something about folding over that thin piece of, of pizza and taking a bite out of it. It's almost like a sandwich of pizza. It's fantastic. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's, there's no argument. And if anyone is out there, they're listening, you, you always judge a pizzeria by their plain pizza first. Like just cheese? Yeah, just cheese, because that, that gives you the purest uh, insight to what, where they're going. Because I know places that have an amazing go, like Bacon Chicken Ranch, but you're just overwhelmed yeah. by those flavors. You don't, you don't yeah. realize that half their ingredients are shit. <laughs> <laughs> so when – I don't know if you've ever been to Chicago or when you are last, but there's a Chicago uh, – um, something unique to Chicago – that I ask people about all the time. Have you ever had a thin crust pizza pizza cut into squares? Uh, you know, I have. Yeah. And it's fucking weird. Uh, <laughs> damn it. I didn't mean the curse that much, but yeah, I'll, I'll it's put weird. It in a fun what, noise or something. <laughs> who, 
who cuts a pizza in the squares? I mean, unless we're having like a kid's party, you know. It's a, I think that honestly, I, I don't know for sure, but I think that's a total Chicago thing. And I don't know how it got started, but there's some weird Chicago food stuff, like no ketchup on hot dogs. That's a whole another issue for me. But um, yeah, the cut in the squares, I know people from New York with your traditional slices is like, what the heck is that? What the hell is going on here? <laughs> you guys are unusual but you know we'll, we'll still maintain our friendship it's fine it'll be okay yeah we'll be okay so where are we going with that you went back to new york <laughs> yeah uh, i came back new- yeah yeah i came back to new york uh I, I pretty much practiced where i grew up however um a lot of people have issues practicing where they grew up because you're kind of like a you know that what's that uh saying uh, you're you can't be a prophet in your own village or something like that okay. but uh I kind of went to high school over the state border at a, a private school, Don Bosco Prep, which is a, a pretty famous school for sports. So I practice where I grew up in New York. I, I don't really run into a lot of people that know me. So there wasn't like a lot of overlay of people being like, oh, you know, I knew you were you're just a, a kid getting into trouble. So, um, you know, I, I definitely didn't have some of the common issues that people have usually when they move home. Now, did you open up on your own right away or did you work for somebody? Oh my God. So for about two weeks, I worked, I got a job at what, you know, we would call the, the chiropractic mill, just the, the worst of yep. the worst. And uh, yeah. when I realized what was going on, I, I didn't want my name associated with it. I definitely didn't want to be signing bills. Um, so I stepped away from that and I was able to find um, a great older practitioner who had a big office who just said, you know what? You know, come in here, start your practice, and um, I, I took it from there. So uh, pretty much after working for the mill, I just started my own thing right off the bat. Made lots of mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people don't understand with, with chiropractic, there's really only two options. Is There's several like subsects, but you either open your own practice or you work for somebody. There's really like, there's aren't a lot of, there are residencies. There's just not a ton for anybody. And then, Mm -hmm. um, it's just, it's kind of difficult. So yeah, I had the same experience. It was one of my first jobs out of school was just working for a mill and it's just monotonous, boring work. And then you're kind of like, yeah, I don't know if the billing practices are that, uh, ethical. So I don't really want to be associated with it too. So yeah, you kind of open up your own practice just so you can do your own thing. So you started doing your own thing, um, how did you get into working with a lot of the CrossFit boxes? You said you work with like 18 and 19 CrossFit boxes at this point in time too. You know, what, uh, is a good way to kind of approach, uh, an outfit like that and talk to them about what you can do for their athletes? Um, I mean, I think the very first thing is to be either participating in, you know, whatever activities they're having. So if you're going to go talk to a CrossFit box, you don't necessarily have to be a CrossFitter. I'm definitely not. I'm, you know, a very large powerlifter, but I understand um, what they're doing. I understand their routines, their wads, um, and I know the, the the lingo and whatnot. So um, it was really clients of mine that had, you know, opened the the door and said, you know, I know the owner. You know, we'd like to do something. Would you like to talk to them? And of course, you know, you always take that opportunity. But I go in there not trying to be. Um, I don't want to say superior, but not trying to be the doctor or anything. I try to work with the boxes and I try to really sure. not step on anybody's toes. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times in my office, I offer some supplements. I don't go crazy, but if the box I'm visiting has, has, you know, all these supplements and these meal plans and everything, 
I'm very quiet about my office and what I offer because I'm not going to try to step on their revenue sources either and say, well, I sure. have this great fish oil that everyone should be taking that's far superior to your stuff. I, I've seen a lot of people do that. I, I don't get involved with that at all. I'm just there to help out as much as I can. That's good to know. Yeah. I like that philosophy too, is everybody else is, you know, trying to you know run a business and they've, they've got bottom lines and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. You know, it's not to say that your stuff is automatically always better too. You're there to help. So it's, it's, it's a good thing for anybody listening who's getting into practice is you have to work with people rather than try to tell them how much superior you, you think you might be to them. So, um, you, you never competed in, or did any CrossFit, did you? Uh, no, when I was in grad school, there was down in Atlanta uh, something called like CrossFit Strongman. Um, okay. Kind of take it as a – there was a, a strongman that was trying not to have a heart attack. And uh, <laughs> he incorporated a lot of the WOD stuff, but kind of just put in more strongman and powerlifting routines. Yeah. So I was involved with that for a while. And, yeah. But that's really my only um, touch of doing CrossFit myself. I never really yeah. – like the, the whole thing with cardio really scares me. So, you know, I try to <laughs> stay away. <laughs> but you have, you have a pretty extensive sports background. So, I mean, like it, it goes to show you, like you can work with people and not necessarily have done their sport when you kind of understand the mechanics of it, right? Oh, yeah, by far. I mean, the, you know, even though I say CrossFit is, it is the biggest portion of my business. It's probably 60, 70% of it. But, uh, you know, I have like another 20, 30 that's, uh, a lot of runners and I'm oh, yeah. obviously, you know, I, I'm the lifting doc. I'm not the running doc. And, uh, <laughs> but like everything else, like there's just patterns to follow. You know, I get really, um, I, I get into deep conversations with a lot of the coaches. So you start developing and knowing what these patterns are. And then I'll start saying certain things to people and they'll be like, Oh yeah, that's what I'm doing. And that that's probably what's causing the issue. So it is, uh, surprising when you just see the same thing over and over again is there like an uphill battle when you have uh, a runner come towards you like do you have anybody ever been like well you're not a runner how do you understand no you know i've never really had anyone who's like oh you don't understand however i will consider runners to be some of the worst clients to have i'm I'm honestly gonna i'm gonna totally agree with you too (laughs) we mean and we mean that in the nicest way possible but like yeah I, i love my runners but most of them are like my foot's been hurting me you ask simple questions like, how long has it been hurting you? And they'll say 20 years. <laughs> you know, what have you done for it? They're like, absolutely nothing. Or I bought like a band and I just kept running on it. And it's yeah. like, okay, well, 20 years of damage. I, that's a lot of stuff to, to try to recoup. Uh, and then when you start bringing in other things, runners are just, it's, it's better today, but they are kind of stuck in their methods. So when you start mentioning things like, we got to, you know, give that foot a little break, switch up the cardio, get, get on something else. And they're just like, Oh no, no, no. I got to run. Yeah. Um, and they they don't generally like strength training. So even when you're, you're approaching them like that, there's that great study that says, you know, we can decrease the occurrence of plantar fasciitis with loaded calf uh, raises and everything. They don't even want to go do that. They, they, they despise the, the weight room. So yeah, on that aspect, it's, they're definitely more difficult. The CrossFitters, uh, on the other hand, I love dealing with them because even though I'm not the biggest fan of CrossFit, you know, it has its own issues. They do preach mobility, recovery, you know, making sure you're taken care of. 
so it, you're not trying to go against the the stream with them. So I really do appreciate yeah. the, the CrossFitters as clients. It's nice to you know work with people who kind of see the big picture with that, and you know you get some runners, you get some CrossFit athletes on both ends of that as well too. So um, pretty interesting just to see kind of you know you call yourself a sports chiropractor, you work with a lot of athletes, but there's still a huge variety of what you're going to be seeing coming in the office. And then there's that mentality aspect from an athlete too, is whether or not they're going to kind of buy in to what you're doing. So what kind of practice style do you uh, kind of subscribe to, you know, being a sports chiropractor, tell everybody kind of what that means exactly. Some of the tools that you use, some of the treatments that you like to use. Uh, So by sports uh, chiropractor, um, one I have, you know, postgraduate studies and extremity, um, work. So we're talking elbows, knees, uh, ankles, anything of those sorts. So you're not just dealing with the spine in a lot of soft tissue techniques, um, besides the kinesio taping and like the blades work, we're talking things like ART factor, um, and just a lot of understanding about, um, how to program for an athlete that is in recovery. So if they do have an injury, you're, you're not telling them rest because the moment you tell an athlete, you know, don't do anything rest, you know, they're, they're out the door. They're not going to listen to you anyways. And that's not oh, sound yeah. advice. No, it's not. Yeah. But uh, you, you need to be able to program within their capacity so that they're doing something to get back, but at the same time, not, overloading them that they're going to continue to re-aggravate that injury so it's combining a little bit of everything you need to work the whole body a lot of soft tissue work but you also need to be able to program them uh, so that they're able to you know do what they wanted to do while getting Mm -hmm. better you mentioned some of the mobility work that a lot of your your athletes are doing what are some of your uh favorite tools you know with mobility or uh even just some of your soft tissue stuff uh my favorite tools I, i generally tell everybody I'm still a little old school with things. I think the only thing everybody should have when we're talking about like at home, you know, that those foam rollers, a lacrosse ball and like a band, you know, mm. if you're going to make any type of change, even though the research is a little back and forth with these things, it has to be consistent. Um, you know, even when clients come into me and I, I like to do, um, you know, the rock blades and everything else, grass and work on a very delicate level. Um, I like those tools, but, consistently we're not going to change anything if you're not doing anything over time so you know you have to be involved in getting that person to be able to you know to get into certain positions every day you know we can't open up the hips by an adjustment or uh one grassing treatment but if we can get that person at home you know maybe watching their favorite television program a in a indian position or a hip opening position for 20 minutes a few times a week, we're going to start opening and changing that, that body over time. And that's, what's really going to help. So, um, like I said, uh, very basic for what's at home in my office. I, I mean, I have a little bit of everything, so it's, it starts with, uh, like rock tape and rock blades. I, I use, uh, the rock pods as well, but I also go all the way up to, uh, body tempering. So I use very heavy implements. Yeah. So, uh, if anyone's not familiar with body tempering, that's when you take tools that are upwards uh, or starting 25 pounds, 50 pounds, and then going all the way up to like 200 pound, what looks like metal rollers. And we kind of use those for slow uh, body tempering sessions. So if someone has extremely tight casts, we're just going to lay that person down and we're going to put 
a 200 pound roller right on their cast. And we're really just going to leave that there for, you know, 10, 12 minutes. Um, and then we're going to go back and we're going to work those tissues a little, a little bit more. And, uh, it has some really amazing effects. Um, and it, it doesn't feel bad. Everyone always hears the weights and they go, Oh man, that that's, must be torturous. It really isn't. But of course it, it's whatever's right for the athlete. We're not doing this to everybody. I would never do this to, you know, grandma or grandpa, um, but you know, if I have one of my powerlifters or one of my more serious CrossFitters, that's definitely an option. I'm fascinated by body tempering and you, uh, you know, uh, what I know body tempering to be coming from kind of originated with Chris Duffin and Kabuki strength. And you actually know Chris, right? Oh yeah. Chris is a uh, good friend and a client. Love him. Uh, he's a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> he's got great information out there and the body, body tempering, it just kind of fascinates me because that was the first thing that I said too. Is like, wow, that's a lot of weight. But I was watching some of their videos and they kind of explain it in a very neurological sense. So, you know, you're taking these, these heavy apparatuses and just putting it on the body and kind of letting the tissue kind of give way and relax. Right. Mm -hmm. So is there a certain time period? Like, are there certain parameters you got to follow with different areas of the body? Like it should be on for this long. Or are you just looking like, Hey, whenever the tissue relaxes, is there a right way to pick a weight for a certain individual? Well, the protocols do vary a little bit because it also gets into the individual athlete. So, of course, the heavier the implement, generally the more tissue we want on an athlete. Okay. Um, but sometimes I've used a 100-pound increment um, on like one of my runners. And actually, it was a, an ultramarathoner that constantly had Achilles tendonitis. And by using the heavier implements, you know, they were getting better with that because that, that was the only thing that was, you know, really letting their calves relax a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, of course, when I say relax, we're really talking about the, the CNS downregulating and, yeah. you know, calming down a little bit, but that, that just what worked for that athlete. So um, the protocols, you know, on the bigger extremities or something like the, the lower back on a power lifter, you know, we can leave these implements on for 15, 20 minutes. Um, they're not really going to, you know, that's just not enough thing, weight to occlude an artery or something like that. But um, if we're doing something like um, body tempering to the arm, you know, the, mm. the arm, you know, unless you're talking about a professional bodybuilder, it just isn't that big. So, you know, once you get into the five, 10 minute mark, we really don't want to be occluding anything. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, we just take it, you know, one step at a time. I use some of these implements. I try to make sure that no one's, you know, getting numb in the fingers, going gray in the hand or blue. And just time it that way. Um, Kabuki has dives a little deeper into that about what you, kind of time limit you want. And mm -hmm. then uh, all this stuff really comes from uh, Donnie Thompson, a physical therapist that is a, a record holding uh, powerlifter. And he, was really the one who like started doing all this stuff. And um, he has his own like set of parameters as well. That's pretty cool. It sounds a lot like floss to be honest with you outside of what you're using. It's, you know, you gotta be, it's not like you're not an inherent any, 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 any inherent risk of occluding blood vessels, you know, compressing nerves, but you always just the individual in front of you, you got to watch out for how their experience is going. Actually, it's, it's a lot like Floss. Floss was actually used, like Donnie Thompson was one of the original guys with Floss. He was using a lot of it um, with this body tempering. 
But I think just now we're kind of catching up with understanding why that works because Mm -hmm. back in the day, it was just a a bunch of gigantic, you know, men, you know, wrapping this, you know, latex floss around themselves or putting these heavy implements on. And it it does look a little torturous to the normal person, Mm -hmm. but now, you know, as we kind of have better studies and are able to see certain things, um, we're realizing, Hey, that really does work. It's not just for, the, the gigantic power lifter, we can bring that down to the, the normal individual. Um, but yeah, this was all done in like the basement, uh, you know, dungeon gyms uh, for a little <laughs> while. And then now it's finally making it to like the mainstream. And I, I think really guys like Kabuki uh, are really to, to thank for that because they're, they're, they're bringing that, that bro science thing that, that, that definitely works, but really explaining it with some science and some research to make us understand like, yeah, it does work. We still have more research to do, but this is something helpful and we can start doing it right away. That's like every tool too. Like floss is a perfect example. You know, it's been used in CrossFit boxes for years. It's just Mm. people just found it worked and helped, but nobody explained why it did. So, I mean, once you kind of take the mystique away from it and you understand what it's doing, it makes a lot of sense. Do you ever have anybody like maybe not a, maybe a non-athlete patient that you, you had to kind of talk into using the body tempering because you knew it would really help. <laughs> um, not so much because most of the co- clients that come into my office at this point are really coming from someone else and okay. they're referred. I mean, there's some people who always want to know a little bit more about it. And I just, I just try to explain to them, you know, what I can uh, yeah. when it comes to things like floss and body tempering where there isn't a lot of research. I'm very honest. And I just tell them that, you know, that this isn't the most research thing in the world. But let's see how you feel. And if you're feeling better, that's really all that matters at the end of the day. Um, and most people are very happy with the results. So, and it, you yeah. know, there's no extra charge. This isn't a, um, I tell people, this isn't like a cold laser in the office that's going to cost you an extra $100 a session. This is just all part of the treatments. And it's very easy. So, yeah. Um, actually, that's a, that's a good point that you made uh, about charges. Just kind of looking at your website, um, are you all cash based? Uh, I'm mostly cash based. There's only like two or three insurances I accept at this point. Okay. Um, so they, they really have to reach a certain pay point because it's just time. I don't rush with clients. Uh, my normal sessions are really, they vary a little bit. They, they vary between like 15 and 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, once again, you, if you're working on someone for 30 minutes, you, you, you have to have that reimbursement, um, back yeah. there. So yeah. I'm always fascinated by that kind of how people structure their payments and stuff like that too. Cause there's so much talk about insurance versus cash, especially, uh, f- from chiropractors. When you travel to boxes, is it less time? Are you scheduling? Are you just kind of going in and whoever needs help, that's who you're helping that day? Uh, when I go to the, the boxes, it's usually a first come first serve thing. Um, and we, you know, we make announcements that, you know, we're, I'm going to be there this is how it is. And, um, I usually just cap the fee at a certain amount so that it, you know, it is less time. I do bring a bunch of tools with me regardless. I always have my blades with me. I have a hypervolt, uh, my pods, of course, um, and a whole bunch of tape, but you know, I don't really have any of the body tempering stuff. Um, it is easy to show some people exercises because I'm in a nice facility, mm-hmm. but at the same time, if someone's really coming at me with a, a whole bunch of issues, that's, you know, you don't have the facility for that. So 
only a handful of times have I had to tell people like, you know, I can't take you. I really need you to come to the office first because you're, you need a thorough, you know, over the top exam. It's not just one area that's bothering you either. So, yeah. um, but like when I treat in the boxes, I really don't want to take away. I want to give the yeah. best service I can give. But at that point, you know, I, I do have to kind of limit it a little bit so that I can get everyone in there. Cause those are usually sure, like yeah. my 15 minute um, sessions. And then some boxes are unbelievably busy. I'll have people waiting for like two hours. Oh geez. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it also just depends. Some boxes I've been going to now for a few years. So even clients who, maybe don't even go to that box anymore. When I send out the email saying, Oh, I'm going to be uh, at this box in orange County. Uh, I still get people who show up, you know, just to see me, which is fantastic for business, but they're not even going to that box anymore. So it really yeah. depends on where I'm at. And then other boxes, I just have more time because I'm still building up the clientele there. So you're kind of just putting out uh, emails, social media, just, Hey, I'm going to be here. Yep. Oh, cool. It, it's kind of the first thing that came to mind is kind of like what food trucks do. <laughs> you know, every, everybody has always suggested that you, like I make up a, uh, a traveling Cairo van. You get one of those big food trucks, nail down the table and have all these things. But, uh, but, it's fun. but I like being in the facilities because number one, like I, I, I mean, I've always enjoyed not being in an office. So about once sure. a week, I'm always in a different facility. I like being in, you know, my my gym clothes, you know, my t-shirt and my mesh shorts while treating people. But you can also you can see how some of the coaches coach a class. Um, you can talk right then and there with a coach or one of the trainers and say, "Hey, no, this is Evelyn's issue. You know, I showed her some different stretches, but you know, the next wad that you're doing, can you watch out for these things and make sure that she's hitting her activation exercises?" or going through these drills with her. So mm-hmm. that's really helpful to, you know, once again, just reinforce what I'm doing, but also helping the coaches seem even better because now their clients are happier with, you know, how they're proceeding. Now you're going back to pretty much the same places, you know, even though you're seeing almost 20 different uh, places uh, in any given time going all over the place, um, they probably get to know you by now. Do you take a chance to sit down with a lot of trainers and maybe show them some of the common things or maybe some of the tools that you use just so they're on board with everything? Or do you just go case by case? No, I, it's a little bit of both. So once again, it always depends on the box. There's some boxes I don't even travel to. They're, they're in my County. They're, 10, 15 minutes away, you know, it would be ridiculous for me to um, show up there anyways. Uh, most of the boxes I go to, they're uh, the next counties over. So by me, that's Orange County, New York, that's the Bronx. Um, and it's an hour away. But I always, if I have free time, I generally will talk to the trainers and the coaches all the time. Um, and, but most of them always get treated by me. And then we always get into that conversation. If I whip out floss, everyone's always like, well, what's this good for? What can I use this for? They always want to know. Um, so we're definitely getting into the nitty gritty with some of the, the coaches on how they can use it with some of their clients and whatnot. That's pretty interesting. That's pretty cool kind of, um, you know, treatment plan, treatment style, just because, you know, everybody is kind of the old, the old cliche of just being in an office. You have your patient schedule for that day and then you just go home. So it's kind of fun to, to kind of move around and see different places. Even if you've been there before, you're seeing different scenic areas and going to different boxes and you can see 
uh, probably newer athletes as they start coming through. And there's, is there a lot of turnover, um, in the different places and you're starting to see new patients as they come, come around? Oh, like with any, uh, box there, there's definitely turnover. Some boxes have a tremendous amount of turnover, uh, especially if they don't have me coming all the time. Some boxes I might only drop into once every two or three months. And then it's sometimes almost like different people each time. Um, and then there's other boxes that I'm there every other week. And, um, you know, I, I definitely see people progress just from the very beginning, you know, mm-hmm. into becoming seasoned, uh, athletes. Uh, so it, it is definitely interesting being there, but you know, I just, I love it. Yeah. It's a fun treatment model too. And I think just most people apply, uh, uh, they recognize the idea of, Oh yeah, I, I want to wear mesh shorts and a t-shirt to work too. Oh, I'm not going to lie. I do wear mesh shorts and a t-shirt to my office as well. So, uh, yeah, well, that's the beauty of having your own brand is that you just put it on a t-shirt and now it's acceptable everywhere. So. Yeah. It kind of becomes a gimmick too. Yeah. But uh, like, if like they, if, go ahead. Sorry, go on. If they see you in something else, they're like, what's wrong? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, what's going on here? What, what's wrong? But yeah, you know, it's funny with that in my office, sometimes I wear like my my kabuki shirts and things like that because mm-hmm. um kabuki is very nice to me they they sponsor me they they do send me their tools and some other stuff um and people will be like what what the hell is kabuki <laughs> and you know i'll get into this whole thing and they're like oh, okay you're you're quite weird doc but okay <laughs> <laughs> so you said they sponsor you is it the more for your practice or you do you actually compete with lifting uh no i do not compete i i go purely for fun it's just my uh, zen garden uh, even though I, I am approaching like elite numbers. Uh, really? You know, it, it, yeah, I, I'm very fortunate. Uh, so my, uh, like give everyone who's listening to this, my deadlift is about uh, 765 right now. My squat's about 700 and I have a bench about 515, 520. So, so like pu- pure powerlifting uh, events? Yeah, pure powerlifting. But once again, I, I don't really compete because I, I you know, I'm powerlifting you're competing for a trophy. I mean, no one really cares about these things. I'm not really close to any world record, so it wouldn't matter. But mm. I, I, I'm a very competitive person. So if I was to go to that level, I'd probably hurt myself. And mm. in all honesty, business is more important than a, a plastic trophy. So I really don't want to uh, push it that much. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to contain myself. <laughs> That's a good perspective though. You personally are, do you use anything in particular when you're preparing for lifts during lifts, uh, after, uh, no, the only thing I, I do, I just did yesterday when I was doing legs, uh, you know, over the weekend, my dog got away from us, the, the bastard bear, um, and he ran through the woods. So I'm running after him barefoot through the woods and definitely, uh, twisted my knee a little bit and like my Ooh. calf was just very tight. So before squatting, I was actually just, uh, using the rock floss and warming up quite thoroughly by an extra like 10 minutes. But, um, you know, I always have in my bag rock floss, um, and like the pods and whatnot. So I'll definitely use those tools on myself beforehand. And then afterwards is usually the same recovery devices. Everyone has, you know, the yeah. foam rollers, the hyper bolts, uh, I do like my Normatex. I, I love those things um, in the office. But uh, the Normatex or the the recovery boots. Oh yes, oh, I'm, I was thinking of something completely different. Yeah, yeah, those are <laughs> awesome. I wish I had a pair of those. Um, yeah, we, we I, run them in the office for all our runners and everything else. 
you get people that just come in for that, that stuff, right? Uh, you know, we, we never had an issue. I, I do have like three or four people that I've never treated that just come in for the boots, which <laughs> I charge you like an outrageous amount for them for like the 30 minutes, but they pay it. Um, but most of the time it's just a, it's an add on for my clients. And I actually use it as a, as a, as a waiting room buffer. So if sure. I'm running behind and I know, you know, it's Susie waiting, you know, and she's a runner, I'll just tell the girls to put her in the boots for 20 minutes. This way yeah. they're, they're experiencing something and they're not just waiting, looking at the wall or the same crappy magazines I've had for forever. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it no office ever like cycles through their magazines? It's always like, the same magazines every single time. You know, you know why I, I absolutely hate magazines because they just end up too. like everywhere. Me too. Uh, so I said, after I remodeled my office later this year, there's not going to be any magazines. There's just going to be like that little sign that says like, here's the Wi-Fi," and yeah. <laughs> that's it. No I magazines somebody, allowed. I had somebody in my office one time, they came back, like it was a husband of a patient came back after a while uh, from, for a new injury. And like, I remember the husband made a comment like, Oh, same old magazines. I'm like, dude, people don't wait in our office. Like we, we don't make people, <laughs> they just come in. We're ready to go. You know? So sorry. It's just, you know, read about sports illustrated five years ago. <laughs> well, I always get that one person who's like, Oh, can I take this magazine? I'm like, take them all. <laughs> take, yeah. take my recycling for me, please. <laughs> <laughs> So Raphael, you've been traveling uh, some pretty cool places uh, lately. Uh, did I see that you you just got back from Italy? Yes, we, uh, me and the wifey, we went to Italy and we took a cruise through the Greek Isles. Oh, cool! So, were you all over Italy, or were you just in? I think I saw a picture. You were in Venice. Yes, we were just in Venice. We went to Italy last year, traveled kind of uh, down the whole coastline, but the only place we didn't go was Venice. So this year we just spent three days in Venice. Uh, we were actually with my wife's family, okay. and her her brother ended up proposing in Venice. Oh, cool! So, which nice. was awesome because if the fiance had said no, that was going to be a very awkward week on the cruise ship. So, <laughs> <laughs> so how did you like Venice? Uh, getting around there, dude. Venice is amazing. Um, you know, there's a lot of walking, but because they don't allow anything except for obviously the motorized boats. There's yeah. not even bicycles on the streets. Mm. It's so quiet and it's very eerie at night when you can hear all the animals that are around and whatnot. You don't realize how yes. much street noise there is just from passing cars, even if you're on a non-busy street. Yeah. And uh, I, I really came to love it. Like it, Italy is one of those magical places. No matter where you go, you can go to the shittiest gas station and somehow you'll have the best cappuccino of your life. Yes. Oh man. I was just saying that to somebody the other day, my wife and I went to Italy, uh, like four different, uh, cities. And that's what I said. It's like, you go into like their version of Seven Eleven, but they have the most high tech cappuccino machine oh, and yeah. you can get the best coffee there. So like, you don't have to find the special coffee place. You no. just go wherever, and it's all special coffee. It's it's fantastic. I loved Italy just for that. The thing that made me love like Venice was even at like three a.m. All like the touristy souvenir shops closed down, mm -hmm. but the gelaterias are open yes. forever, 
And they also have the best espresso cappuccinos you can get. So, oh yeah, <laughs> it's fantastic. So you guys, did you guys dock out of Venice and then you took the cruise? Yeah, we uh, came back. Uh, we docked out of Venice and then came back and flew out of uh, Venice. Do you make any cool stops uh, in on the cruise? Uh, no, we visit all the like Mykonos and everything. I mean. Uh, Greece is very similar to Italy, but like just all the islands are, are, are gorgeous. We got to go up into Athens and you know um, see all the 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 you know thousand year old structures, three thousand year old structures, um, yeah. which is definitely uh, <laughs> amazing. Because well, what do we see here? Like in America, it's like you, you have something that's two hundred years old, and you're like, oh, that's that's crazy. And there, <laughs> just every corner has like a thousand year old fountain. There's a old bit that I love from a comedian, Eddie Izzard. He was talking about that exact topic. He's like, in America, you sit there and you go, this building has been here for 50 years. And then you go to Europe and it's like, this is 4,000 years old. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's a little different. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Yeah, you're well-traveled. I think you, I, I saw either last year or the year, year or, or earlier this year, rather, uh, you went to Thailand? Oh, yeah. So we, we been to Thailand, my... Uh, my wife's father used to, you know, just, um, he used to do some government contracts and he chose to retire out there. So we, Oh, cool. Uh, we actually visit him, but, um, like most things we don't have kids yet. So <laughs> we're kind of doing that early. We've been married for about three years and it's kind of like every time we travel, it's like, Oh, you're not pregnant yet. Okay. We'll plan another trip for you know <laughs> six, seven months. Uh, because we, we just know what's going to happen. You're going to have a kid and it's, you're not really going to be able to travel like that, at least uh, initially in the first few years. So until uh, you to... have to buy them a ticket, their luggage, just think about it like that. <laughs> Listen, anybody who gets on a, a, like a 16 hour flight with a young infant, God bless you. I mean, I'm irritable on a flight like that. Mm-hmm. I don't fit in anything. I, I can't imagine flying with young infants. Oh yeah. I, uh, my kids were, we're actually going to London at the end of August and it's only eight hours, but we've done with my son, we went to Prague one year and he was just under one and I was so anxious about it, but just, we plan it so that you basically plan it so they can like sleep on the way there. Cause going West to East, you yeah. can always just go overnight, but, uh, you know, those long, long hours. Yeah. That's where, uh, that's where the iPad comes out, regardless of your <laughs> thoughts on screen time with children. <laughs> That's when you get that out there like that. So, yeah. Uh, and me, somebody who travels alone constantly, it's different when you're traveling with other people, especially kids that, that need your help with everything, too. So, yeah, I feel you with that one, man. But don't be afraid. They're luggage until they're two. <laughs> <laughs> so... Let's uh, talk about where you're located. Let everybody know how they can get a hold of you. Okay. Uh, well, I'm located in uh, Rockland County, New York, which is the New York, New Jersey border right outside the city. Yeah. Um, uh, you can get a hold of me. The number one spot is really Instagram. I'm constantly on there. I'm the lifting doc. Uh, and I answer my DMs uh, fairly quickly uh, with everything else. Uh, through that, you can find my website. Um, I think it's, uh, the business, uh, I'm sorry, the lifting doc.com slash business Google, something along those lines. I got it right here. It's the lifting doc, uh, dot business dot site, but there is a link on your Instagram page. Yeah. I was going to say it's, it's really Instagram is my, uh, my biggest thing. And, yeah. uh, I'm quite easy to find in my County and, um, uh, you know, whatever they need, uh, even if it's not the 
maybe I'm not the right person, I can probably point someone in the right direction. Very awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, check out, uh, check out Raphael, uh, out in uh, New York area. Uh, you know, he travels a lot. So, you know, if you're nearby, uh, let him know, check out Instagram. Uh, I will definitely uh, second that you are very active on Instagram and you're great at uh, answering all your messages. And, uh, I love following you. You're a great follow a lo- lot of fun posts. Um, well, the swear- real beauty is in the stories when the, when my yes. dog gets his own voice, that's, that's usually <laughs> the outrageousness of it. Uh, <laughs> it's always funny having a pet involved with everything. Cause the post just is a hundred times better when that happens. You know, I love seeing posts where you're doing some drill on the floor and your dog just wants to sit on your face or something like that. Those are always the fun ones too. <laughs> so check out doc out in New York area. Check him out on Instagram. Are you going to be at uh, Rockstock this year? Oh yes, I am. Yes. <laughs> we got to meet. It'll be our year anniversary when we first got to meet, man. <laughs> yeah, but now that we're friends, as you're presenting, I'm just going to scream obscenities out. You heckled me at the presentation <laughs> with, with the podcast, man. So, yeah. But actually, that makes it more fun. It keeps me on my toes, so it's good. I'll just use you as an example, and I'll embarrass you back, so that would be good. Good, good. <laughs> Check out Doc on Instagram. Check him out at the Lifting Doc and the TheLiftingDoc.Business.Site. Raphael, thank you so much, man, for your time. No problem. Great being here. Take care.